You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Oh, no, it is great to have you in church tonight. Uh, we finish we finish a series that uh, has really just uh, popped out at us, really, by the feedback that we have had. Uh, it's been one of those series that we're... Isn't it funny? Often you think the simple things in life are going to be the least impacting things in life, and you come back to the basics, and it's been just amazing the way that God has moved in our community as we've explored some of the fundamentals of the Christian life. And the whole heart of this series has been... That in the same way that, say, soccer players or rugby players, for that matter, undertake a series of funny-looking disciplines in training, uh, they, they do so with an objective that, as funny and as silly as they might look from the outside, uh, their, their exercises, their disciplines that are built for them in order to produce in them the very people that they're meant to be. In other words, that, that there comes a time when they're on the field that these actions just naturally flow from who they are. And that's what we have been looking at when it comes to the practices of the Christian life. <laughs> yes, this is the last week I'm going to be doing that, by the way. Um, you know, why do Christians worship? You know, worship. We, we looked at how worship was about uh, taking something uh, uh, to adore it to such an extent, to place it so central that you see its true value. Why do Christians give? Not because we have to, but because we want to. Why do Christians commune? Because it connects us to the past and it connects us to God's story and it connects us to our future. Why do Christians make friends? Because we're ready to invest something in time and money and an openness and a transparency so that we become not only friends but literally family. Why do Christians forgive? We forgive well, because God first forgave us. And so we now finally look at tonight, why do Christians welcome strangers? Uh, when we say that, really what we're looking at is the practice of hospitality. Why do Christians practice hospitality? Now it's different because we think of hospitality, when we think hospitality, we think hors d'oeuvres. Uh, we, 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 hospitality, we think a, a, a nice event. It, it's Northside. When we think hospitality, we think corporate box, of course. Right, but, but the biblical meaning of hospitality is something far deeper than that. We're going to see it tonight. Real simple. Here's where we're going to go. We're going to look at the importance of hospitality, the nature of hospitality, and the practice of hospitality. It's important. Why do we do it? What is it? How do we do it? <laughs> That's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 13, verse 1 through to 5. It says, Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are ill-treated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honoured by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Uh, the, the significance, the importance of hospitality. Does the word Melmac mean anything to anyone in this room tonight? Uh, Mel, Melmac was the home of one of the great superstars of the 1980s. Uh, his name was Gordon Shumway uh, and he was actually a friendly alien. Nicknamed Alf. Anyone, anyone seen Alf? Yeah, 
We love Alf. Alf was this crazy comedic alien, uh, uh, nicknamed Alf, alien life form, who crash lands into the garage of this middle class suburban family called the Tanners. And he crash lands into the Tanner family and he becomes a permanent member of the family, even though um, his culture shock and his survivor guilt and his general boredom and his despair and his loneliness constantly cause all sorts of headaches for the, the Tanners. Causes them all sorts of grief living with this alien. But in despite their problems and the inconveniences, um, his presence into their lives is a wonderful thing. And, and here's the, the, the wonderful part about it. They eventually grow to love him. Now I'm thinking, is that not the perfect illustration of the church? It's, that, it's the gospel according to Alf. And that, that is that, that church is to be a place where we allow aliens to crash through the roof or the front door of our, in our safe suburbia because we know that our differences even in spite of those, we'll grow to love each other. And the, the church is the sort of place where there's people with, with, with boredom and all sorts of different guilts and all sorts of different hang-ups and, and all sorts of homesickness. And, and yet in spite of all those differences, we grow to love each other. That's the significance of hospitality. Now, you're saying, you're just being soppy, Sam. You're being melodramatic. Um, no, 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 I'm, no, I'm not. That, that, this is how the world got changed, right? Because if we look back on it, how many times do we see Jesus? Well, what was Jesus doing before he died on the cross? Was he trying to build a classroom? Was he trying to write a book? No, he, he was gathering a whole bunch of people together who were totally different. And he was building them into a community that began to love the alien or the outsider. That's what Jesus left behind. And that's the thing that changed the world. And so if you're wondering tonight what this community is all about, we're a direct descendant of that. We're a place that expects, we're a place that wants aliens to crash through the front door. <laughs> that people who are on the outside, people who are strange to us, we want to welcome them in. That's the impetus of this community. And so that's what we want to have happen. Look, quick straw poll here. Put your hand up here tonight if you were born outside of Sydney. Take a look around. Hey. It could, you can put your hand down now, unless you're continuing to worship. <laughs> well, it's a remar- For those on the podcast, that was a lot of the room that just put their hand up then. But isn't that a wonderful representation about the significance of why we're to do hospitality? Well, what was that? Three quarters of the room, and I had no idea it was going to look like that much. Three quarters of the room weren't born in Sydney in the first place. In other words, this church is a room full of aliens. <laughs> Gospel according to Alf. That's the significance of community. And that's why I'm always saying that that is how we will change the world, Northside. One relationship at the time, one alien at the time, one outsider at the time, one stranger at the time. That is how we're going to change the world because that's how Jesus changed the world. And that's why I'm always saying the quality of our community will be the secret to our mission. That is, 
often we think we need to do all sorts of evangelism exercises and we need to go buy a milk crate and we need to stand on the side corner of Pitt Street Mall and we need to go screaming the gospel. And yes, there are legitimate ways of evangelism. But has it occurred to us when we see all those hands go up that perhaps the greatest opportunity that we have as a church to win the world is to, buy, is to welcome strangers? It is to be a community that's so radically open and loving straight off the bat the people say, I want to be a part of this place. I want to know, I get to know more about Jesus Christ. I want to get to know what this is all about. That's the significance of hospitality. The quality of our community will be the secret of our mission. And that's why, you know, example, that's why I'll never forget what, what he once said to me. Uh, Ali, our good friend Ali, for those that know him, Prince Ali, we refer to him as. Um, Ali was. Uh, he was famous because Graham at Christianity Explained uh, said, oh, you're from Iran. That, that's, that's incredible. You know, how, what's it like being a, a Christian in Iran? And he said, Christian in Iran? I'm not a Christian. I'm a Muslim. And, and he was at our, uh, one of our uh, inside north sides. And he became part of exchange. And we got to do life with him over a number of months. We still do life with him. And, uh, and so I said to him, you know, Ali, what's, what's the difference between your religion and our religion? And he said, Sam, you know, people, people in my religion, well, we seem to talk a lot about love. The difference in Christianity is you guys live it. And what he experienced was a community that welcomed a total stranger. In a world where there's so much divide between Muslim and Christians, he found a community of love. He heard about Jesus Christ. He did community with, 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 with all of us. Can you see the significance, the importance? This is how we will win the world. So that's the significance of it. What, what is hospitality then? Hos, hospitality then, here's my definition of hospitality. Hospitality is the discipline of indiscriminate openness with your love, your lifestyle, and your loot. Indiscrim- the discipline of indiscriminate openness with your love, your lifestyle, and your loot. Loot is slang for money, if you weren't too sure what I meant then. <laughs> And note how I said discipline, discipline. And what is a discipline? Discipline's allowing someone or something to cut across your will, remember? So in other words, the assumption there is that, that this practice of hospitality is not something that comes naturally to us. It's difficult, right? Uh, it's not something we think about being open naturally. I, I recall two girls from South Africa that were part of our community for a while and and I was amazed because they said, you know what? Uh, Sydney is one of the most difficult cities to make friends in that we have ever experienced. They lived all around the world. They said, it's the most di- uh, maybe that's your experience here. Uh, one of the most difficult cities to make friends in. And I'm thinking, no, it's not. I've got lots of friends. And then I realized that just about every friend that I was talking about has been my friend since year nine in high school. Well, I'm 33 years of age now. There's 15 years of exactly the same friends. How many people have we invited into our social circles? Uh, one uh, to date, and he's from New Zealand, so we should get extra brownie points for that as well. <laughs> but look, back to the, the assumption here is that this is not something that comes naturally to us, right? Opening our, our lives, our love, our lifestyle, and our loot to other people. More importantly, as a church community, here's why it's important for us. Because verse 1 to 2 of this passage walks this tightrope between two different types or forms of community. Two different types. I, I call one, one form the experts and the other form of community the expats. 
So it, it walks a tightrope between the experts and the expats. Here's what I mean. The experts is a community where there's a lot of intensity but not much openness. Right? An expert, expert community, they're all doctors. So get a bunch of doctors in the room and they're all just going gaga over the medialis lateralis and all. Right? My best mate's a doctor. It's all good. And then you have the expats. An expat community is incredibly open, but there's not much intensity. One's got all intensity and no openness because you've got to be a doctor to get into that one. The other one is all openness, but no intensity. Expat community is, hey, come in, have drinks. We're going to have uh, yeah, South African expat event. Come have drinks. It's nice. But once you go home from drinks, that's it. You know, often you don't develop deep and life-impacting relationships. Are you guys with me? At this, can you see how this, this verse, is one, 1 to 2 of Hebrews 13, is about to walk us a tightrope between that because this, the gospel says Christian community is supposed to walk the tightrope and be a community of both intensity and openness at exactly the same time. Look, listen to this. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters, but do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. So hear that first one, incredible intensity. Do, keep on loving one another as brothers. They're talking about the church, brothers and sisters. So what they're saying, we talked about this in Why Do Christians Make Friends, that the church is a place where you make such close friends, you might as well just call them brothers and sisters. They know all your junk. They've, been, they've done life with you. They, they, they've seen it all. There's intimacy. There's openness. There's wrestle. There's conflict. There's, that's intensity. But then it says, do not forget to love strangers. There's, open, there's intensity and openness. Are you with me? Intensity and openness. You know, do not, not love strangers. Verse 2, the Greek word there is uh, philoxenia. Uh, xenia is where we, we see it elsewhere in a different form in that word xenophobic. And that's a word we tend to know in our modern day society. And so xenophobia is what? And you're afraid of out strangers, outsiders, aliens. And so it's saying love aliens. <laughs> Love strangers, love outsiders. And so that's how Christian community uh, becomes a sort of place where this both intensity and this incredible openness. And so that's what we have to be careful of when we talked about intensity was one of the healthy challenges and overflow of an intensely healthy church is that you become what? Clicky. You become insular. You become a bunch of experts. And the Bible here says the way that you're going to get over that is by loving strangers. What that means practically, it means to open your home and to open your life and to open your diary to people who are totally different from you. In other words, it means to be accessible. Accessible in, 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 in your face, in your expression and, and your life when you meet them for the first time. It means you're not giving off busy signals. You're not, you're not giving people the sense that this conversation is troubling you. It, it means that you're not too self-absorbed. It means you're not subtly suspicious of someone unless you've been introduced before. You're totally open to whoever comes your way, to people who are different for, from you. And that's, that's hospitality, indiscriminate openness. Now, in ancient society, this openness, it was culturally mandated. I mean, to, in, in the society that the writer was talking about, hospitality, it was a total way of life. And, and there's one very good reason for that. And I feel sorry for them. There was, for the people back then, there was no Airbnb. Uh, there, was, there was no way to go to the internet and find yourself a nice piece of accommodation. 
on the cheap, cheaper than any other hotel in Jerusalem. Uh, whenever you travelled from city to city as an ancient traveller, here's the other thing, it wasn't a globalised culture like ours. So when you came all the way across the Pacific Ocean and, 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 and you landed, uh, it's easy for us because we've got a long-lost cousin that we know and we crash on their couch for a little bit. But for someone back then, uh, cities were a terribly scary place because you didn't know anyone. And so people would literally go to the gate and they would wait at the gate of the city to then be invited in and people would come up and they would screen them and they would look at them and they would welcome them into their house and entertain them for two whole days, which is actually part of the beauty of the old way because it was generally accepted two days and that's it. You know, problem with the long last cousin is, right, they stay for two weeks and we need to culturally, but you, you're with me. Hospitality was critical in these cultures. And some of you might have come from an Eastern culture and and different culture from our Western world. And it's still very big today, right, in those cultures. I've been through Mexico, where every second place you would you would go down the street in Mexico. Egypt was exactly the same. People would say, please, come into my place. Come into my place. Come in. Let me show you hospitality. And so, in other words, it was incredibly important. I think we've lost that. We misunderstand that in our culture today. But more importantly, here's the question. If, if hospitality was all a very significant part of the culture back then, why was it that Christian hospitality changed the face of the world? Now, uh, example, listen to the quote from Julian, the emperor of Rome in 360 AD. He says, why do, why do we not observe how the benevolence of Christians, why don't we observe the benevolence of Christians to strangers? Why don't we observe how it has done the most to advance their cause? For it is disgraceful that the impious Galileans, that was his word for saying Christians, support not only their poor, but ours as well. While everyone is able to see that our own people lack aid even from us. How is it that these Christians look after not only their own poor, but ours when we despise our own poor? And that is what caused Christianity to explode through the countryside. It was not certain doctrines, and it was the practice of hospitality. It's incredible stuff. And so for the Christian, here's the difference. For a Christian, the openness to love strangers came from a totally new dynamic a totally new basis because the Christians had a story. They had a backstory that went back into verses like Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 17, for where it says, The Lord is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow, and he loves, wait for it, the alien. Giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are aliens, for you yourselves were aliens in Egypt. And so Christians didn't practice hospitality just because the Bible said so. They didn't practice hospitality because it was culturally mandated. Christians practiced hospitality because to be a Christian is to recognize that at one point you were an alien. To be a Christian is to recognize that you were a stranger. To be a Christian is to recognize that you were an outsider. An outsider to what? To the ultimate family. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the most perfect family. You thought the Tanners were good back in the 80s. These guys were, these guys were perfect, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And the Bible, the great theme of the Bible says, even though you were once strangers to that, God welcomes you into his home. 
And so God, see what it's saying? It's saying before you're a Christian, you were out in the cold and I brought you in. And so God says, you were once outsiders and I saved you with my hospitality. Now go do the same. See how their dynamic is totally different? And so to the degree that you and I get that at one point we were outsiders to God's family, to the degree that we get that, guys, to the degree that that sinks in for us, is the degree that we're going to ask who needs reinforcements in the battle of loneliness this week. It's going to be the degree to which we look at who needs to be asked out for a meal this week. It's the degree to which we say who needs to be brought into my social group for the first time in 15 years. It's the degree to which we might say what people, two to three people with complementary gifts can come around to my house tonight and ministry could just explode. That, that's, that's what it means to be a God says, I brought you in, now go do the same. To the, degree, to, the degree, to the degree that you get the gospel is the degree to which you're going to be noticing someone on the outside. It's the degree that you're going to hang out with people who are different from you. It's the degree to the which you are going to see the lonely, to see the confused, to see those that need to be invited into your home. It's just a simple cup of coffee and a meal or a hello or a chat on a brown lounge. And you're thinking, that sounds ordinary. And it is, because here's, here's the thing. Hospitality is one of the most precious sacraments alongside communion and baptism. When I say sacrament, remember we talked about what a sacrament meant. A sacrament meant simply to take that which is ordinary and through God's power, make it holy. And so the cup of coffee, you're not trained psychologists, you're not trained counselors. You know, in, invite someone into your home. This is ordinary stuff. But here's how it's made holy. Look, I bet there are people in this room. I bet there are people in this room or people out there in this city that you've forgotten about. And yet in their own world, they've never forgotten the way that you went across and had a little discussion with them. They've never forgotten the way that you invited them out for a meal. They've never forgotten the way that you have listened to them when they're in a time of trouble. There, there could be, there will be people in your life who because of the ordinariness you've forgotten all about, and yet because of that act of hospitality, you took something which was totally boring, mundane and ordinary into them. You made it holy. Maybe some of you yourselves were recipient of someone else's hospitality like that, right? It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful... That's the, that is the key to what hospitality is an indiscriminate openness of your love, of your life and your loot indiscriminate because hospitality says we we all had no basis of connection with god in the first place so who am i to make distinctions with everyone else so we're open to those who are poor we're open to those who are rich we're open to those who are cool we're open to those who are nerdy like michael thomas (laughs) we're open we're indiscriminately open and it's sacred. And that's what, that's what hospitality is. Finally, how do we practice it? What does it look like? It's been real practical tonight, right? Not too many crazy 80 stories. I just wanted to get straight to... I left it with Alf and I think he was good enough. Let's get, straight to, let's get straight to what this could look like. What does the practice of hospitality look like for us in Crow's Nest? Here's one of the ways. You open your home to your neighbours. 
it's, it's not many will come along. But I remember the, the Baileys. We remember the Baileys in Atam and they, they put on a barbecue for, for their neighbours and, and they put flies in the net letterbox. It was all part of their connection group exercise that what they were going to do in response to a message like this. And a couple of people came by. But here's the point. One of their neighbours still came to church. They didn't stay here, but one of their neighbours had access to God because there was an openness of their house. So you open your home to your neighbours and some may come along. Here's the other thing. You open your spiritual home to your family and friends. Your spiritual home. What's your spiritual home? This connection group. Uh, all of this. You say, look, you know, why don't you come and, and check this out and I'll buy you a meal afterwards and we'll have fun. Just come and see what this is all about. There's a great example. Of one, one of our girls here tonight, she travels a long way to come to church. She's like from out in the north, northwest and... and Oh, that's where most of our church is coming from now, by the way, too. Um, so I better be careful. But what I, lo- I loved about this conversation, this practice was this. You know, she's traveling all the way and her friends are starting to say to her, why the heck would you travel so far to go down and do church in Crow's Nest? And her answer is simply, have you seen my church? <laughs> the amount of friends of hers that have seen her spiritual home because there's the openness to say, come see my spiritual house. Here's the other one. You open up at the table. That means you eat informally. Look, here's the reality. Church can be so planned, can't it? And it's all, all these different steps and stages and welcome and entrance. And Look, some, is it me? just me or does something special happen in informality? Those stupid times when you laugh, those unexpected times when you cry. Christians are the sort of people that just open up their table informally all the time. It might not be your table at home. It just might be your table out at a cafe. But you open up at the table. That is, not only do you open up the opportunities to sit around the table, but you open up at the table. You're honest. There's intimacy. There's transparency. Here's the other way. You open up your place for a small group. Another practical way to do it. Guys, our groups are already full and it's March. Now, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of a guest that's with us tonight, an alien, if I could be so bold, in the most positive ways to say that of one of our guests tonight. What, what, do we, what does that say to them? What does it communicate to them when they, they, they come into this place and we say, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, the place is full. There's no room. You know, I've, I've, I've committed that it only be Joseph, the guy in the Bible, that's the only one that must ever hear the words, uh, but there is no room. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You host, a, you don't have to lead. You can work with me. We can get leaders. But guys, it might be that you open up your place to a small group. Small places. They're small places. I know them. I've seen them. I've been in them. I live in one. Our places are tiny on the lower North Shore. They're shoeboxes. <laughs> but here's the point. That's why they're called small groups. Can you accommodate three, four, five, six people? That's, that's where powerful things are going to happen. You, you might open up your place for the first time. Here's the other one. You open up your schedule for service. You open up your schedule for service. You know, often often um, uh, what, what we prioritize first in our lives show us what we really worship. And so that's what's happening. You know what's happening here? Corporate hospitality, Hope Street, and, and the people that we pastor and we care for, all of the stuff that's happening here is a corporate form of hospitality. You, you, open, you open up your schedule for service. You might give your time, you might give your money, but that's hospitality. And here's the final one, because I've always been wanting to speak into this. Um, you open up to a guest at mingle time. 
You don't have to put your hand up for this. You can just sort of silently nod. But if people ever felt crazily awkward when it comes to our, now why don't you turn to a person next to you and say hi? Right? It's awkward. It's awkward. I know there are, there are people receiving counselling for this sort of issue at the moment. You know, I love my church, but I know Graham or Sam are going to tell me to turn to the person next to you and say hi. Look, you know, there's age-old traditions in the church that, that talk about opening up the peace. It was called passing the peace. And here's what's happening when you go and say hello to someone like that. Here's what you're really saying. Here's what I want you to be really saying in your head. When you turn and say hi to them, not how's your weekend, you're saying in your head, you know what, I was once a stranger in this place. And because someone got over the craziness and the awkwardness during mingle time and said, hi, how you doing? I might have come to know God. I might have come to know my best friend. I was once a stranger and then I became a friend of these guys for a little while and then I became their brother or sister. And when, and when each and every one of us during mingle time turn to another person and say hi for the first time, you know what we're really saying? We're saying, oh, I don't want to worship in a place full of strangers tonight. For this moment on, you're not a stranger, you're not an alien. You, you, you're beginning to be my friend. In the hope and the prayer that maybe, just maybe by God's plan, you'll become my brother or sister. Are you guys up for that? You guys up for that? Did, how we win the world? One conversation at a time. One relationship at a time. And so, look, we can go out of here and we say, look, well, yeah, this was, uh, this was really good. And Sam says that I should be hospitable and I'm going to try really hard. But <laughs> it's not natural, is it? It is not natural. Let's be real. It's awkward. It's awkward. That's why it's a discipline. Why hospi- you can see why hospitality is a discipline now. But there's a nuclear fuel rod for that discipline, and it was hidden down in verse 12 of this passage in Hebrews 13. You need to read it if you've got your Bibles with you. Verse 12, I didn't have it on the screens, and it said, and, Jesus, and so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. You know what that means? Jesus suffered outside the gate. What was ancient hospitality? Ancient hospitality was you're a stranger and you go to the gate and you stand there and you wait for someone to let you in and to invite them into to their house and to entertain you and to be hospitable. And what's the picture that we have here? We have the guy who had the ultimate home. And we had the guy who had the ultimate banquet and the ultimate buffet. And we had the guy that had the ultimate source of love and fatherly love and kindness and warmth and everything that you and I desire in a cold and a lonely city. This is a guy who had it all. And we see not the example of someone knocking on the gate and going in. We have the guy on the inside going to the gate and be thrusting out. Jesus experienced anti-hospitality at a universal scale. Why? Because, friends, the real home and the real city is not in this world. The real home for you and I, that place of warmth and love, the place where we fit, the place where we can sit with Dad at the table and just chat, it's not here in Sydney City. It's not in any other city. It's heaven. It's talked about as being a city, the city of God. And ever since the Garden of Eden, that's how God had created that we would walk in the cool of day with him, that we would speak to him face to face. And yet humanity's own desire to want to go our own way and live our own lives and be our own bosses meant... That we walked out of the garden and up and well, the minute that that happened, he shut the gate. 
great challenge, the great story of the gospel is that humanity has always, always been standing outside the ultimate house where the, the tables are, are gold-plated and the food is like nothing you've ever seen before and like strangers we forever knock. And out walks the figure in Jesus Christ and he says, I'll go outside the gate and suffer so that you can come in. I'll be on the outside so that you can now be on the inside. And so when you see Jesus being shut out on the cross, when you see Jesus suffering outside the city gate, so you know that the truth of the gospel is that you no longer need wait at the gate, but you can go in and have dinner with daddy. When you see that, when you get that, when it melts your heart, that's the extent to which you're going to open up your life. You're going to open up your lifestyle and you're going to open up your loot. Because God always welcomes strangers. Let me, let me finish with this quote. It's from one of our family. It's on a brand new website, by the way. Have anyone seen the new website? What a great chance for a plug right in the conclusion of a sermon. Ephesians uh, chapter 2, 19 to 20. One of our members said, and she uses this. She says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. So she quotes the verse, and then here's what she says. She says, Northside Community Church is literally my home away from home. She's from Zimbabwe. It reminds me that we're not foreigners or aliens, but we're part of a greater community in Christ. We're the sort of place that wants, expects ALF to crash land through our doors each and every week. We are the sort of place where ALF does crash land through our front doors every week. You might be ALF this week in a, in a couple of ways more than one. And I mean that in the most positive sense because he is a great hero of mine. You might be an, an alien and a stranger to Northside. And I hope that you've sensed tonight that, that you're why we exist. And you might be an alien or a stranger at a number of different levels. I guess is at one level, you can be an alien or stranger to this place and this community. And we want to say that you're more than welcome and that we, we could only hope that you will become our friend or maybe our brother and sister down the track. But more importantly, you might be an alien or a stranger to God himself. And there is an opportunity tonight to walk through the gate, to stop knocking, to come home because he went outside the gate for you. Guys, maybe, just maybe, and I've I, I got to say, I'm so proud of us in the most non-prideful way possible, <laughs> the most non-self-interested way possible. I truly believe that we are one of the few churches in this city that is getting this principle. This is not a sermon of reprimand. This is a sermon of praise, that we are a church that's living out this principle of hospitality. And so we get as a church that maybe, just maybe, that their differences, our differences, through the dif discipline of welcoming the outsider into our lives, that their stories and our stories will be so entwined that people who are radically different from us are no longer strangers, they're no longer friends, but they become brothers or sisters. And so may we continue to be the sort of church that's always hospitable to the outsider, to those that are different. May we be hospitable to the aliens just as Jesus was hospitable to us. Let's pray.